All right. Hello. Welcome to another episode of The High Ground, powered by Premier Companies. Ryan, how are you today? I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm doing great. Good. We're going to change gears a little bit this uh, this episode, and uh, well, I guess two things. Uh, after we uh, go through the question of the day, but in the in the podcast room this morning, we got Mr. Keith Nance, Superintendent of West Washington School System. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. And so uh, we'll get to the topic here in just a minute, but we're going to um, first start off with the question of the day. The most important part. The most important part, which seems to be the the favorite of right. the, the podcast. <laughs> we may just have a whole episode of right, the questions, just questions of, the day. of the day. That might be it. So, Mr. Nance, what is the last book or article that you have read, and uh, what was it about? And uh, tell us what was interesting about it. All right. Yeah. So I just returned from vacation. Uh, so I spent some more time reading for enjoyment. You know, obviously within our work and our career, sometimes you have to uh, read academic articles and things. But uh, I read two books while I was on vacation. The first one was a reread. It was The Obstacle is the Way, um, which is about stoicism and basically about, uh, you know, about with every obstacle, there's room for growth and improvement. And, you know, the, you don't circumvent the obstacles. You attack the obstacles head on, and that's the way you find success. Uh, the second uh, that I read for enjoyment was The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell, which is a book about a coming of age of a kid that was born with ocular albinism. And so he had red pupils. Um, and so growing up in the Catholic Church and what that was like, you know, and uh, the obstacles he had to overcome. Uh, so it was a fictitious uh, kind of in the vein of like a Forrest Gump, but more reality, oh. with more reality, I guess. And so how he overcome those obstacles, how he handled school, kids, you know, got the nickname Devil Boy <laughs> going through the Catholic. Wow. And what was the name Catholic, of that? It's called The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hill. And it's a fix, fiction? Yeah. And it's uh, the boy's name is Sam Hill. And uh, going to uh, growing up as kids often do, you know, they pick out the... Uh, individual abnormalities that yeah. every one of us have and uh uh so they named, called him sam hell or they sometimes called him Hellboy. and then that's they, they the idea of growing up making friends uh overcoming those op- obstacles oh. grew up to become an optometrist uh oh wow so it's a it was pretty it, it was very enjoyable read page turner type book um just fun read for good the, vacation for the beach book. Yeah, yeah great vacation book so What's well, yours? I'll just let you go first. You've you. already stole my answer. So. We, uh, <laughs> the reason we were laughing about this was uh, I picked this question of the day, and uh, Ryan had made a book recommendation to me last week, and um, and this is the book I read, so this is the one I'm going to use. And it was about the uh, the Filthy 13. I don't know if you've heard of those, uh, the guys in World War II, uh, Jake McNeese, and it was the paratroopers uh, squadron that, that would uh, jump in into Normandy, and he made four jumps into into World War II into Europe, and uh, with Normandy being the first. And it is a fascinating book about a real life character, and he survived the war. And you can find some YouTube videos with him talking online. But um, just a bit of history that I I was not aware of, and and Ryan made that book recommendation to me last week. But some of the stories that this character had, and uh, the book, uh, the movie, The Dirty Dozen, was loosely, yeah, loosely um, off of that that character, right, Ryan? They, yeah, not directly. Not directly. Yeah, not directly. They weren't I criminals. Think, the I real think they ones. felt like that these that this was a fictitious, fictitious, 
fictitious. Fictitional? It's not fictitional. <laughs> nope. It could be. Somebody would have thought of that word. But no. <laughs> so it's a fictitious story because they thought those guys were, they thought this was folklore, I guess, is the way I took it. And uh, it turns out they're, they were real guys. And you would have a hard time writing this and having so anybody believe it's real. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, it's crazy. And the audio book is him, is him actually telling the stories. And the author has a... I mean, he's got uh, references and, you know. Other people who were there. Yeah. Standing around beside him. And it was pretty interesting. Yeah. I remember growing up watching The Dirty Dozen with my dad. Uh, Jim Brown running through the grenades going off. Oh, that's right. Jim Brown was in that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was an excellent movie. I'll have to check out the book. That sounds sounds interesting. Filthy 13. You'll think it's fake. Yeah. You will. (laughs) You'll think it's fiction. He's crazy, but. Yeah, Ryan, what, since I took so, yours. Yeah, so prior to that, uh, I read Never Give an Inch by uh, Mike Pompeo, and that that's fascinating, too. It's a very interesting book, and uh, that, that that guy is, uh, that's he's a strong character. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. He has strong character. He is a strong character. Um, and, and obviously military, military background was uh, managed in a couple machine shops in Kansas, and then obviously on through to the head of the CIA and then into secretary of state, which is just fantastic to me. But, uh, listen to his, the things that they implemented, the things that he did during his time and all compiled into that one book, I would recommend it. So awesome. yeah, good, good deal. Book. Got three book recommendations, recommendations off of the podcast today. So <laughs> well, I'd already read yours. <laughs> would have used it too. <laughs> Hadn't been for you meddling kids. <laughs> Well, Mr. Nance, so let's. Uh, so, why do we have a superintendent of a of a school system in on the podcast? And uh, one of the reasons we thought this would be a great topic is because we are dealing with a labor shortage of, uh, particularly commercial drivers. And we've had uh, some of our own folks in. We've talked about some of this on the podcast before. But Mr. Nance at West Washington, you have done something uh, very unique, and to address this. A career path i guess for anyone that would have an interest so tell us about what you did to to create this uh or what west washington and some of your team has done to create this this path forward for kids to get a commercial driver's license yeah so prior to being the superintendent i was the high school principal and i always felt our career technical education program uh could be very unique uh we're somewhat isolated, uh, being in a rural area. Uh, we're not near any career centers. Uh, career centers are places where schools uh, share resources uh, in order to uh, get their career technical education. So we house all of our career technical education programs. We worked very hard in developing those programs with ROI Uplands region uh, for what the needs were in our area. And so, you know, we settled on agriculture. Uh, it was one of those. Um, and then also... Um, uh, health careers uh, within our area, and then with Cook Medical uh, being close, and then with mm. Crane, uh, military as well. Uh, so we also have an engineering program, and then we have a digital communications program that does some things uh, similar to this uh, with podcasting and, and video editing and graphic design. And then I really felt like, you know, for us, the purpose of the CTE programs were to give our kids and our community uh the best uh, step up that they could possibly have. And so uh, we had people serving on our school board uh, that were within the trucking industry. 
And the first came up when I was driving to Atlanta with a couple of teachers, and we were going down there for a conference, and one of our teachers had just um, taken ownership of A1 Trucking in Lawrence County. And they have a fleet of triaxles. Um, they haul uh, stuff for NDOT, other um, construction projects, and he was talking about that shortage. And, you know, the main of thing... Of the commercial drivers. Of the commercial drivers. Yeah. And for him, uh, Class B drivers. And so we were talking about, you know, why, why aren't schools doing this? And what are the obstacles? It kind of goes back to the book, The Obstacles. Yeah. <laughs> the Obstacle is the Way. Um, and there are certainly obstacles. Number one, age. Uh, so you can't start a CDL program uh, and, and get your permit until you're 18 years old. Uh, so you don't have to overcome that obstacles. Uh, but then also you have to talk about the training portion of it and having an instructor. You know, CDL licensed individuals are so hard to come by. Getting someone to come into the education realm to be an instructor rather than to go out into what is a very lucrative career uh, is is difficult. And that's been our biggest challenge over these five years that we've had the CDL program. Um, but for us, it was about giving our kids a leg up. And my for me, it, personally, it was about... I, I want to fill the void and help change our community in a way um, that could lift everyone up. Uh, and you want to have someone leave with something that gives them an opportunity to change their situation. Or their uh, life, yeah. Of their life. And, and generationally, you know, uh, the biggest obstacles for most schools that they face, especially ours, are, um, you know, generational poverty. And how do you get out of that? And how do you overcome that? I knew that we had an area, salt of the earth people, um, that had a super strong work ethic. If they're committed, they'll do anything for you. Uh, that's the way they are at our school. That's the way they are supporting our school and our, and our community events. Um, and that's how they are in their work life. And so I was looking for this opportunity to give our kids a true leg up. And um, we just spent the entire nine hours driving to Atlanta talking about CDL and, and how to overcome that. Uh, he actually started off as our first instructor. Uh, he had taught 25 years as a history teacher, Mr. Cam Spires. And um, he had his CDLB. So we started off just offering CDLB. We worked with our county and um, they were replacing some of their fleet of triaxle trucks and we purchased one in an intergovernmental agreement. And so uh, we benefited from that and not going out and buying something, nice. um, you know, off the lot. We worked together with uh, with them. And um, that first year, we started off with a CDLB program. We quickly wanted to grow that into a CDLA program as well. And so by the second year, we started doing that. We were training first on the, um, the triaxle dump truck and our fleet of buses. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that was very beneficial. In that first year, we had six kids enrolled. We had three kids get their CDLB. We had the other three prepared to take their test in the summer. Um, uh, the fourth one I know of uh, got his immediately after graduation. So a lot of the, the obstacle is to overcome is how to fit that into just a senior year because that's when you can start them. So the first semester is all um, the, the textbook, you know, going through the manual, uh, be working on your walk around, uh, working on your inspection. And then we could start driving as soon as they got their, um, their permit. And they can, most of them, we had, to, we had to have a requirement that you can't even be in the program unless you turn 18 before February of your senior year. Um, because we have to have the time to get you behind the wheel, to get you the amount of hours to be prepared to go take your test. Hmm. So 
It was a big undertaking, and some people looked at us like we were a little crazy. Uh, but that first year, we found success almost immediately uh, in getting kids their CDLB. And then every year, we've grown upon that. The biggest challenge has been to uh, keep instructors um, because him taking over that business after the first year, he couldn't balance being an instructor and running a business. And so he left. Uh, he stayed in close contact. We worked with him quite often. Um, we had another instructor come in. We've had a couple instructors in last year. Um, we had a, a new instructor, and he's doing an excellent job. So we're excited about the future for that. He's a young guy, and um, you know he's looking at it as, this is a great job for me. My kids are young. I don't have to be on the road. Uh, I can teach the next generation of drivers. And so we're really uh, excited about Mr. Tincher uh, being our new instructor, uh, and he had a great success this last year. Good. So. I've had a chance to kind of watch the program develop, and we've got one of your graduates working for us at, at the uh, Salem branch. Uh, Kai's down there, and uh, he has his CDL now. And I think it is neat that it's not just students that are going to choose commercial driver as a profession or as a career. There are some, yeah, but there are some other kids that this is going to give them a really good, they'll always have a job. Yeah. somewhere so they come back from college in the summertime and they can drive for us or another company and, and uh but then uh, regardless of what they're doing they've always got a trade now yeah and i think that's pretty neat yeah certainly kai's a great example of that he's going to school to be an engineer mm -hmm. uh, he's going to school to at center college in kentucky to play football and get into pre-engineering uh program and you know it's not just uh, for those that want to go right behind the wheel. Uh, it gives you the opportunity to have a great fallback plan, number one. Number two, an amazing skill um, that you can have forever. And for a kid working his way through college, you know, what a great opportunity for summer work and extra work to pick up. Um, you know, a lot of people have to work in the service industry while they're in college, you know, and you're living off of tips and a mm -hmm. small hourly rate. Uh, any work you do for NDOT right now is 30, playing $32.50 an hour. That's even a Class B triaxle wow. commercial license. So, um, you know, there's great opportunities to go out there and, and make a good income, make a good supplemental income, or, you know, help yourself uh, get out of college without that uh, load of debt on top of you. Mm -hmm. Had one student, I did senior interviews over there and had a chance. I can't remember the student's name. It was a couple of years ago, but he had it figured out. Um, you know, he could, he could only drive in Indiana until he sure. was 21, but he he knew what going to Purdue or IU was going to cost, and he had it figured out how much he would be making in three years with his driving record of, of until he turned 21, mm -hmm. and it was it was pretty compelling. Yeah, um, and he had a he had a career path. I have a friend who owns uh, trucks and uh, in Kentucky, and they <clears throat> they run down to Tennessee and. And I met him in college, and so we're uh, we're juniors, seniors in college, and, uh, and so he's driving a truck at that point in time in his life to put himself through school. And uh, I was talking to him about this shortage and and the struggles we were having hauling fertilizer and getting stuff delivered, and and that's that he runs a lot of ag products, he runs a lot mm -hmm. of liquid fertilizer, dry fertilizer, grain, and uh, he said, you know, he said when I started driving, he said I'm in my teens. You know, he said, I buy my first truck, save it basically from salvage. That's what he bought was a, was a truck that wasn't in good shape, but, uh, he, he made it nice and has had several, you know, really nice trucks and still running nice trucks now. But 
He said what's interesting to him is that he's been driving 30 years now. He's 48. He's been driving for 30 years. And he said, when I started, when I pulled in line at one of these plants, I was the youngest guy in line. Mm -hmm. And he said, flash forward 30 years, I'm still the youngest yeah. guy in line. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, he said it. And that I thought that was huh. a pretty profound statement. That yeah. He's like, there's nobody coming in. The, nobody wants this. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's a guy who can kind of dictate his own schedule. He w I won't say he's home every night. He works, he works hard, but, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, to, to still feel like you're the youngest guy in the line after 30 years of driving, that's, uh, that, that tells something about the industry. So. Yeah. There's a lot of great opportunities to drive locally. Uh, there's obviously great opportunities to drive over the road. Um, but for us getting the kids graduated with the CDL, if you get the CD, commercial driver's license, a, you're also certified for B. Um, and well, then we might clarify that you might just say what a and b are for oh, a lot of our listeners idea. may not yeah. know okay yeah so like a, a cdla would be tractor trailer um you know you have to get some additional uh certifications if you're hauling um you know materials uh that are flammable or caustic in some way and then uh cdlb is more like uh it's based off of weight and size uh, so i don't know the exact numbers it's not my sure. not my more realm a, exactly not a combination but, vehicle but not, right. yeah, yeah 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 but it's uh like a triaxle or uh, dump truck uh, for layman's terms and um there's great opportunities to just do that you know work locally doing that and then you can you can cross neighboring state lines um ah, okay. with the cdla and, and being under 21 and I was doing some a lot of uh, conversations at the time with Trey Hollingsworth because he was working on uh, the federal legislation to try to lower that age down, number one, to help address the shortage, but number two, also to get these kids coming out of high school to recognize that, oh, this is something I can do at an earlier age. Because if you tell someone who's 17 or 18, hey, when you're 21, there's this hmm. great opportunity. Well, they're thinking about tomorrow if they're yeah. lucky. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's what you deal with when you're educating children. Uh, you know, they're talking about what is right in front of their nose. Um, so, you know, you had to give them uh, like some real, uh, real hardcore opportunities and what's there, what's available, what you can do tomorrow, you know, to talk to them about what they're going to be doing at 21 is sometimes uh, not relevant to them. Uh, it takes a very mature a young person to be thinking about what they're going to be doing when they're 21, 22, 23 years old. Um, so they're more worried about tomorrow. So you have to, you have to show them the opportunities. And we did a lot of that. You know, we bring a lot of people in, uh, we bring a lot of guest speakers in, we take them on field trips, um, to, to, uh, companies, uh, and show them those opportunities. Uh, even just in our own community, um, the construction companies, you know, if you have the ability to haul the equipment, utilize the equipment because we do other certifications and heavy equipment. Um, you know, you become extremely marketable. Uh, and, you know, within our own community, when we did the study with ROI, um, the regional opportunity initiative, which took place several years ago, um, you know, they talked about the needs in the area and some of it was manufacturing. Um, you know, a lot of we took, we discussed before agriculture in our own area, uh, health, health careers, but um, we are not trying to prepare our kids for entry-level jobs. Of course, we want to help support the needs of our local community, but we want sure. to give our kids the best opportunity, too. Yeah. We don't want you to come in and step in at the ground level. We want to give you the skills necessary to come in and step a step above that. Um, because that's where the frustration comes when you're a young person. 
You know, you get in there and you get pigeonholed into a certain job, even if you do it well, even if you um, do all those things, the soft skills we talk about, we really hit those things hard, be there, be on time, be willing to work. Luckily for us, a lot of that is ingrained in our community. So, you know, that's something that we have to Mm. reinforce. We don't have to teach. Um, So the CDL program has just been huge for us. I can't say that it hasn't come without stumbles and obstacles. Um, But we recognize it being so important and such an opportunity for our kids that we were undeterred with those things. You know, we knew that we had a vision, we had a goal, we had a place we wanted to be, and we just kept plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. To me, it was never an option that the program was going to go away. You know, an instructor leaves, you're like, ah, that's a blow. Um, How are we going to, how are we going to move forward? But we never, we never talked about ever the option of the program going away. The program is staying. Um, It sets us apart from a lot of other people. And like I said, the kids, that take on that challenge. And it is a challenge to go in there and do that within a year when you're 17 and 18 years old, come out with a new appreciation for the driving industry, uh, for what it takes to be a CDL driver, the knowledge they gain, what they learn about safety and responsibility. Um, it's just, just huge. So whether you're going to be a CDL driver or you're going to be like Kai and go to college, he learned some very valuable lessons, uh, this year through our CDL program. Well, for a lot of those kids, it's the first time they ever backed a trailer up, even yep. behind a pickup truck. Yep. And so, uh, well, I think it was uh, very, uh, very commendable, Mr. Nance, that you saw a need. It had been easier just to not not do it and continue, but uh, you saw the need for the community. You saw the need for the that would benefit the young folks and have come up with a very unique and uh, – totally differentiated way for a, for a young person to come out of high school and plug into the workforce. Yeah. And you speak about just, uh, some of the things you, you take for granted the ability, uh, to use a manual transmission, Yeah, you know, that that's very, (laughs) very rare. I never thought about that. And so we were bringing in, um, old pickup trucks and like on it within our own parking lot. We're lucky too. We have a 60 acre campus uh, with plenty of room to do a lot of practice. We to got not a, hit stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we got a we got a we got a full blown course down in our parking lot that's adjacent to our football field where the kids practice all of their skills within the tractor trailer. I mean, that's a huge advantage too, but uh some of the first things we do is put them in a pickup truck with a manual transmission and just teach them how to go through the gears. Now, obviously, um there are a lot more gears and it's a lot different. Uh, working in a tractor trailer, but you see a lot of Jeeps now with a yeah. picture of the shift pattern on it that says anti theft device. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> the number of people that can steal that thing pretty limited. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what's this extra pedal for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sure. Well, uh, Ryan, do you have anything else? What has been a uh, quickly, what has been a response as you go around to businesses and say, Hey, we're preparing, we're we have 18-year-olds with uh, with their CDL license. I mean, there has to be some excitement from local businesses saying, man, that's <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot of All excitement. Of it's almost like a um, like a draft. Like the they're, they're, they're like they're they're the kids that are coming out of high school, almost like the kid that's a star athlete. You know, it's like a bidding war for who really wants to grab a hold of this kid. Um, and then outside of that, the amount of interest we've had 
from legislators coming to visit our school, touring our school, Senator Braun, looking at our right. yeah, looking at our uh, career technical education, but then also focusing on that CDL program and, and taking a look at it. And then other schools, uh, we've had multiple Ivy Tech institutions, so um, come and look at our model at our high school because a lot of them do have CDL programs through Ivy Tech, but they don't have it in the high school. How does that work? How did you get there? Ultimately, it was a lot of support and a lot of commitment to just saying it's important. You know, because there was plenty of opportunity to say, oh, we can't do this. Oh, that's too hard. That's too difficult. That's too much of an obstacle. Um, and honestly, we, we have to we have to set a limit on the number of kids that can take it um, because there's one instructor. There's so much seat time. Uh, we have a limit at 10. Uh, it's competitive to get into it. Uh, because it has grown in popularity. People have seen the kids over this course of five years graduate, immediately go out and outpace their peers. Um, hmm. And so that, you know, it's kind of like the success breeds success type thing. People, yeah. people take note. Oh, what, what is so-and-so doing now? Uh, look, he came, out, he came back out to the Friday night football game driving a big diesel pickup. That he bought himself. <laughs> Not that he might try. Yeah, yeah. How, do you, how, do you, how do you do that? And um, the, people take notice to the success that they're having, the success we're having in as, as a school uh, also. You know, I feel like um, you ask around the state of Indiana and people know what who West Washington is and what we're about and what we're doing. That's pretty exciting for a school with a high school of 275 kids. Nice. Um, and, and ultimately, it's about, it just always goes back to what can we do to benefit our kids, get them a step ahead, and ultimately just change their lives for generations. Um, there are, are plenty of opportunities. I mean, a lot of people say, well, why would you go live in the middle of Washington County? Uh, there's not enough opportunity there. There's opportunity. Sometimes you got to look for it, but there's plenty of opportunity. And um, it's a wonderful place to live. It's a wonderful, wonderful place to raise your children and have a family. And what we're doing is removing that obstacle of, oh, well, education is better in this setting. Oh, there's more opportunity in that setting. That's baloney. You know, there are opportunities for people that want to work hard, for people that are willing to do the work and commit themselves, show discipline. You can do almost anything, you know, and as a school, those are the things we preach to them every day. So, um, well, job well done, I think. Yeah. I mean, we're excited. We're really yeah. excited. Congratulations. Well done. Well, I think that's all we have. So, uh, Mr. Nance, thanks for joining us today. Yep. Uh, we'd like to encourage all of our listeners or watchers to uh, like, and subscribe. That's important to us for some reason. We still haven't really de determined why that is, but that seems to be the thing we we're supposed to say. So, but thank you for joining us for another episode of the High Ground Powered by Premier Companies. Thanks. Thank you very much.